0: Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett.
1: And I'm Juliette Starrett.
0: And you're listening to The Ready State Podcast.
1: You got it. You stop it. You
0: this got episode it. of The Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Momentus.
1: So about five years ago, our good friend and amazing scientist, Dr. Stacey Sims, author of Roar.
0: I love what you're like Our scientist.
1: It is our scientist. Our scientist, Dr. Scientist. Stacey Sims, told us that we should eat Protein within 30 minutes of exercise, but that that was particularly important for women. So I took that advice seriously. And ever since then, within 30 minutes of exercise, I always drink a scoop of momentous whey protein, a scoop of momentous collagen with a scoop of momentous creatine. And that is my post-workout protein routine. What's also nice about it is I also drink a bunch of water with that. So it's hydrating. I get the protein I need. Yeah. In
0: fact, I remember her saying that one of the reasons to add the, the weigh-in is actually it hydrates better. Like you're going to absorb that water more effectively and that the hydration is one of the limiting factors to sort of turning on all that anabolic machinery.
1: Yeah. So I actually can really tell a difference. I feel way better after I work out when I use and, this system. And look,
0: those of you who are super nerds, of course, if you're eating whole foods and men have a little bit bigger window, but it turns out for women who aren't exactly the same as men. I don't know if you know this, Julia.
1: Yeah. Theoretically.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you do better. We may better. have some differences. You do better with a little bit of whey right afterwards. And it's just it tastes good. And I see you uh, like you're so religious about it.
1: Religious. If you want to try my routine, you can go to the slash momentous and use code TRS for 20% off your first purchase. So be careful, you're going to get jacked and tan. Jacked and tan. This episode of The Ready State is brought to you by Virtual Mobility Coach. This may sound crazy, but last year, I kind of tried to clone my husband. Awesome. Only kind of, though. You see, Kelly gets dozens of requests every day for help. And even though he wants to give everyone his personal attention, there just aren't enough hours in the day. So I typed in how to clone a human being into Google. Just kidding. But in seriousness, what we did do was create our virtual mobility coach platform. It's like having a virtual Kelly Star ad in your pocket.
0: Which obviously everyone needs. I mean, that's right. I personally create over 600 mobility protocols for the virtual mobility coach. So the platform can help you with almost any movement problem imaginable. For example, let's say you're in pain. The VMC will show you a diagram of the human body. All you have to do is click where it hurts. And from there, we'll serve you up a customized pain prescription we call Mobility RX. The virtual mobility coach can also help you warm up and cool down when you exercise. Every day, we provide fresh pre and post-workout mobilizations for more than four dozen sports and movements. Plus on your days off, you even have a video called Daily Maintenance to help you relax and recover so you can get back 100% in record time.
1: And best of all, right now you can try Virtual Mobility Coach free for two whole weeks. So you can check out everything it has to offer without paying a penny. Claim your free 14-day trial of Virtual Mobility Coach now. Go to thereadystate.com slash free trial. That's thereadystate.com slash free trial. And we'll see you inside. On this episode
0: of the Ready State Podcast, we are thrilled to bring you the one and only Rory McKernan. Rory is the current director of business development and athlete representation at Mayhem Nation, as in Rich Froning, that Mayhem. McKernan brings a wealth of industry knowledge to his athletes from his years working as the media director and on-camera personality for CrossFit, as well as being the host of the CrossFit Games from 2010 to 2017. McKernan is a father and husband and lives in Cookville, Tennessee, which I'll say is home to one of the best ice cream shops on the planet. Rory and I are great friends, and we are thrilled to bring this wonderful conversation. Enjoy.
1: Hey, Ready State listeners. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Rory, welcome to the Ready State podcast. It's so fun to see your face.
2: What a joy, my friends. One of my favorite uh, you know, mediums, media, and two of my favorite people. So thanks for
0: having me. We just have to get the elephant out of the room first. You're looking so clean shaven. I know it's been a minute, and...
1: Wait, did he have a beard for a while?
0: Did he have a beard?
1: I mean, He had a
0: man's beard.
1: I actually forgot about that. I'm going to have to go back in the internet and look at it.
0: There's a scene from the early Dune movie from 1985, and he's like, Ursul, we have worm sign, the likes of which even God has never seen. And uh, (laughs) that's what that beard represented for me, worm sign, like the biggest... It was a beard of all beards. How did you talk your family into that? Yeah. It
2: was funny. It was one of those things that was like a curiosity. Actually, we're coming up on a year. So it was at the CrossFit Games. And for the first time in, I don't even know, I mean, over a decade, I found myself like my appearance did not matter. There was there was zero impact on my job, whereas I had to be like clean shaven in the past, right? And so I didn't shave all games week. And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. But now I look like Rich Froning. And, you know, Rich is like, like the constant stubble. There's like a Cookville uniform, right? And part of it is like the stubble. And I was like, well, I got to set myself apart somehow. It's like, let's just keep this baby rolling. And I passed that it's like when you're growing your hair out, like, you know, you got that point of no return. And I was like, I'm there, I might as well roll with this thing. And little little by little, it just kind of got this life of its own. And we can go down this rabbit hole, we don't have to. But, you know, like, just as with other things, there are beard people.
1: Oh, my, oh lord. my lord, yes, we know. We know.
2: Man, once they get on your side, it's like, oh, I, I almost felt like a traitor. Like once I shaved this thing, I was like, they're gonna hate me. Everybody's gonna hate me.
1: Oh, I mean, Kelly has had a beard a couple of different times and then he ends up shaving it off mostly just because summer I don't com- want to look
0: like I'm 60 years old. Well, anymore. yeah,
1: and, and his you know, his beard is like half gray. I mean, the the internet loves him with a beard. Like it is so yeah, I mean, we actually have to have the conscious, you know, conscious conversation, like, okay, it's hundred degrees out. Kelly's like, I'm too hot with this beard on my face. Face. But you know, he's like, there's going to be some blowback. I got
0: some catfish to do with my wife, so I, uh, you know, I want to, I want to look younger than I really am. Rory, wh- where are you talking to us today? Uh,
2: so I, I wanted some authenticity in the mix, so I'm actually in the the media office here at CrossFit Mayhem, uh, where all the where all the YouTube magic kind of comes together and happens. That's amazing.
1: Uh, wait, so we talked about this at the beginning, and it's really kind of a non sequitur. But I heard that you discovered you have a cave on your property in Cookville. and What's the deal?
2: You want to dive right into the cave? Let's go. Oh, let's I, do I do.
1: I mean, I, I Kelly just, mentioned right. it, and then I was like, okay, we can talk about like athletics and business and CrossFit, but I want to talk about this There's cave. There's a lot of
0: Stranger Things in our, our yeah, world. Yeah,
1: this feels very so Stranger Thingsy.
0: It. And just as an aside, they just discovered the Spanish galleon that was the root, the legend root for the Goonies, which is very cave based. So oh yeah. They actually like discovered it? They discovered the timbers from that was why the the emeralds and the, the whole story of that sort of Oregon coast. So I'm very much alive with like caves are rad. My friend owns a cave. Continue.
2: Well, and I got a legend for you too, and it ties in. So uh, the, the context you need to know is that like when we moved to Cookville, Tennessee, we were like, hey, the dream was always like small farm land whatever. So about six months ago, we moved on to 12 acres with a fixer upper, you know, we're in the middle of demolition. So you guys know, like it kind of cuts your feet out from under you a little bit. So if I forget like my children's names or whatever, you know, later in this conversation, just, just know that I'm, I'm on my back foot right now. But it, yeah, it, in discovering like the land and kind of like, you know, chopping down trees and doing the bush hog and getting things uncovered, we found a bunch of little fox holes and dens for different animals. And uh, I just happened to be kind of banging around one day on the on the dirt bike. And I was like, man, that's a big one. And I did a double take and I was like, no, that's a, that's a hole. And then I went over and I looked down and I like threw a rock down and I was like, oh, we legit have a cave. And, uh, this area of Putnam County actually is known for it. So like under, um, Tennessee tech under downtown, there's very well-known cave systems that are like miles long. So it wasn't like, it wasn't out of nowhere, but for me to be like, dude, they sold me the house. Like didn't say anything about it. It's great. And so, yeah, since then, there's been a couple of explorations when I went down there. So the the important cave lore, though, my friend, and I will bring you out here for this, is um, in the aftermath of the Civil War, apparently no one knows what happened to the Confederate Army's gold. And so there's a couple of different legends about, oh, some of it went here, some of it went there. Uh, there is a story that specifically ties back to the Cumberland region. And there was a bunch of Confederate soldiers. They got caught by the Union soldiers. And before asking him any questions, they just banged, like shot them all. Which was short-sighted. Obviously, no one knew where the gold went. Nobody knew anything about it, and now we know that it's on
0: my property. I can already see the movie called Rory's Gold.
2: (laughs) There'll be no movie. You will never see me again. You two will see me again, but I'll be off the face of the earth. We'll, We'll buy an island together.
1: Okay, so you went into said cave and just like set set the stage for me. Is this something where you like roped up and like rappelled into your cave, or can you just walk into it? And did you go alone? Or with others, I would be too scared to go by myself. So,
2: Well, so the first time, you know, I was like, well, I have to get down there before I call anybody about this so that I can get said gold and make sure that I hide it and secure it in a safe place. And I'm only half joking about this. Like, the more you think about gold, you're like, I think it really is down there. But <laughs> <laughs> The answer to your question is like, it, it is an actual down climb about 30 feet. You could repel, but it's small enough in, in diameter that you can like push on both sides. You, you can down climb pretty easily. And when you get into it, you're you're in a probably uh, 30 foot deep and at, at least 20 feet high room. And it chokes on either side down to another room of equal size. And so I went down there by myself. I've got a couple of janky flashlights and I start to kind of get that. I try to get myself brave enough to go down into the second room. Can't pull it off. Try again the next day. Won't do it. But I go further and further each time. As luck would have it, since we are in this cave uh, rich region, There's a bunch of people around here who are way into spelunking and whatnot. And uh, I called the guy that I know, a local guy named Jim Fox. And he was like, I would love to explore your cave. If it's, uh, I think it was 80 feet, if it's 80 feet or deeper, like you get to name it. And um, anyways, Jim came over and the dude is, he's incredible. I'll tell you all about his story some other time, but he came over with a bum arm. Like he'd had a staph infection. And so he really wasn't supposed to be doing this. He goes down to that second room. Like it's nothing. Like he took for granted that I had already been in there. And I was like, No, no, I hadn't been that far yet. You know, just waiting on you. Well, then he just like progresses through these little cracks and caverns, like he's sticking his head in places like you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go.
0: Because there are no snakes in Tennessee.
2: Well, not in caves. They're, they it's nice and cold down there, you know. So actually, I think he'd be guaranteed not to run into a snake down there. But anyways, long story short, he's like, Hey, there's a third room. We can totally get into it. And this dude, he's he's upside down and like pulling rocks out and throwing them, like trying to dig his way into the third room. And I'm like, bro, what,
0: what, what if this thing collapses on us? Talk about unknown and unknowable fitness. That's, I love it. You're like, cave, let's do this. And
2: he loves
0: it. And I was like, uh, so
2: anyways, he's coming back. So I'll keep you guys updated. Like when we get into the third room for now, two rooms, exciting to have on your property. It will be on the ground.
1: Last question for you though. Is like, is it like you go down to one room and then you go down again? Or are you down in the one room and then you just kind of stay at that same depth and go to the other rooms?
2: Room one to room two is like down-ish. It's almost like uh, it's effectively the same. Yeah, effectively, once you get down there, you're on the same plane.
0: Do me a favor. There's a movie called The Rescue made by our friend, Jimmy. Watched it. Yeah, thank you. Just watch that again before you go down there in the rains. Just just do us Hmm. a favor.
1: Maybe just tell your wife that you're going to be going down into the cave next time. Just tell someone.
2: (laughs) For people that haven't seen that movie, it is fantastic. And probably one of the most stressful things I've ever been through. And I didn't go through it. I just watched it.
0: You are not a native Tennessean. I don't know if you know this. I am not. For everyone else. <laughs> how did you end up in Tennessee, specifically in Cookville, Tennessee?
2: I am not a native Tennessean. I am a native Texan, and my wife is from Michigan. That doesn't answer the question exactly, but we met, fell in love, made a family in California, uh, spent a great couple decades out there, and kind of just saw that through to its natural conclusion. And, and we knew... It actually, we made that decision like before I got let go by CrossFit, but in in the midst of deciding we were going to move away from California, I get let go by CrossFit in the midst of all the craziness, and uh, it it sealed the deal. Just amongst other things, just for cost of living, speed of life, and a real need for change. But um, everything was on the list. Um, I spent a lot of my youth in the mountains, so I'm like like as much as a lot of people are, are ocean people, I'm a real mountain guy. Those were real high on my list, but we all had we both had veto power. So, Angie vetoed most of my mountain destinations because she grew up in Michigan and wasn't looking for the snow. But how Cookville was basically, you know, Nashville was high on the list. And at the time that I mentioned when I got let go by, let go by CrossFit, I was actually in Cookville not long afterwards uh, for an event that Rich has done on a yearly basis called uh, Mayhem for Mustard Seed. And so I was just out to MC the event and like, kind of like you, like I'd just been out here for seminars and a weekend at a time, right? Like I'd never actually explored. And when I came back, it was really kind of just a flippant, like, Hey babe, like maybe Cookville would be, would be cool, you know? And we, we literally laughed about it. We were like, haha, no way. But it sort of sank in. And over the next couple of days and weeks, we were like, man, this is like, it keeps on kind of resonating. And so we came back to visit as a couple. And uh, by the time we left, we spent a week here brought the kids back and by the time that week with the kids was over we were already looking at houses so we just sort of very like it was a very honest again like almost started as a joke but we we were shopping for a place to live and this just kind of jumped out and grabbed us at the right time
1: so i have not had the good fortune to be out there in cookville yet although one of these days i would like to go but Kelly describes mayhem and, and the community there as like he, in in fact sometimes I think he can't come up with like the right words to describe it other than that it's a really special place. I don't know. I'd just love to hear you describe like what is it about it, what's special, sort of and maybe even kind of paint the picture because I know mayhem's doing a lot of different things. And so it, like if someone were to what show is up there, mayhem, like, yeah, what is it? If it you started sh- out as a gym. Yeah. It's a little bit bigger than that. But yeah, if you show up there, you know, what is it if you show up, what do you see? Who's there? You know, what's the vision like just, you know, definitely just fill us all in.
2: Yeah. I mean, let me I'll separate those into like gym life and and outside the gym because outside the gym was something that really it was all icing on the cake, right? Like we knew we were going to move here and plug into a really large affiliate community. We didn't we didn't know exactly what it was going to be like, but the stuff outside the gym has been a real a real joy as well. And I know you guys are so outdoorsy that that was the upsell for us when we got here. And I was like, wow, you can't throw a rock without hitting like a state or national park, you know? So all sorts of waterfalls, all sorts of rivers. And then I guess I'm putting, putting the cart in front of the horse here, but there's not just pressure to get in the gym and be fit, but there's like, yo, we're going mountain biking. Hey, we're going out to the lake. You know, we're, there's just all sorts of activities that are kind of happening on a consistent basis. Whereas this isn't my previous job's fault, but when I was in NorCal, I just found that I was doing less things. There was, it was like, I had to really plan like my special occasions. And, um, here, I feel like there's always something going on, you know, so you're, you're always kind of keeping up. But the uh, the inside the gym, the affiliate community is really cool. And I think, I think what steals the attention, steals the show is like the fact that Rich and his team are training right now. There's two other teams that qualified for the games. They're all here. And in less than a week, yeah, 4th of July is coming up, right? There's going to be about... 20 athletes who are going to the CrossFit Games who are going to stop in and make it their homes. Like, what would you see if you stopped in at CrossFit Mayhem now, like between July and August? You'll see a large percentage of the CrossFit Games field, <laughs> like in their training environment, throwing down head to head. What I was really pleasantly surprised with, because we moved here outside of game season and it was a time when I was less involved anyways, but the affiliate community was super strong. Like I train at 5 a.m. now. There's like, there's a Huge amount of people who are just there, kind of thrown down, trying to get better, just like you would see in in most affiliates around the world. I do think that there's there's a little bit of a higher drive here. When I first started training, I was just doing an eight fifteen class. All these people were my peers, and they had just dropped their kids off. But the workouts were hard, and people were going like they were going ham, you know.
0: So you had to move to five a.m. <laughs> because you're like, okay, I can't keep it up. I'm <laughs> at going least, to 5 at least the
1: five a.m. crew, they'll be a little tired
2: where can I fit in? Yeah. But yeah, I know I've been really, really impressed by that. And then again, I'm not here to say that this is, it's been unique to my life. Like the, from the minute we touched down, there were people, and, and this wasn't just CrossFitters, this was like community wide, new neighbors and things like that. They just scoop you up. You know, there's, there's less of a barrier in the South. Like people are a lot less afraid to just throw out a hello, how you doing and sit and wait for your answer and actually listen to what you have to say. And that was really important to us because, you know, we're, our kids, um, Gus was about to go into the fifth grade. So he was, he was about to be a middle schooler and we were like, man, this succeeds or fails based on how well our kids adapt and how well they like it. And, uh, yeah, so we just got scooped up right away. And I, that was, that was the selling point. It was like, I could be in somewhere far less attractive. And if the people in the community are solid and they've got your back, you know, at the end of the day, like raising kids, you guys know that's, that's, what's important.
0: You just, uh pulled off a 24 hour mountain bike race. Is that an example of what you're talking about in terms of people are out there training, but also playing.
1: Playing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's like, that's more like rich, the ringleader, you know, like when rich wants to do something, he'll tow a crowd with him. And he's like, it's not even like, Hey, do you guys want to do this? It's like, Hey, we're doing this, you know? And so we got a couple, like, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing. (laughs) And uh, so the mountain, yeah, the mountain bike thread, um, that was one that he just kind of dropped in there. But but yes, that is what I'm talking about. It's like, and it's not like you're going to get, you know, kicked out if you don't stay fit, but there is more of like a, there's more opportunities I feel like, right?
0: No, I feel like I'm going to get kicked out of my family if I don't stay fit. I know. <laughs> it's
2: very easy. <reasonable. laughs> okay, good. You know the deal. I didn't, uh, you know, I wanted to be stay political about it.
0: One of us is a world champion. One of us is not. And you guys just,
2: while we're on it, uh, we're invited to the 24 hour mountain bike race. And uh, I expect to see you there next year. Otherwise we'll have, we'll have issues.
0: In, uh, in, in, Full disclosure, we already had a 24-hour mountain bike race on the books for next two weekends from now or next weekend?
1: Like two weekends from now.
0: But we just, things got too hairy. Our our team
1: has imploded. Oh, no. I mean, not just us, but on a broader scale. So I think we may abandon planning our own and just join yours.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay, so here you are, sort of media director at CrossFit, really the face of you know, this big, gigantic international competition. In fact, the largest sporting event in the world with the most number of participants. That's what the CrossFit Open is. And you really are the face of that. That pivots or changes for you with all the, we'll just call it the troubles. <laughs> like like Ireland, we'll call them the troubles. Um, you end, end up taking this role in Mayhem. And what is your your role there? Because you're, I feel like, that was a big inflection point for them, and potentially a, a real second act for you, or a third act rather.
2: So when I left CrossFit, the real long story short is I kind of like delved in and dipped a toe in doing the YouTube stuff and the uh, the freelance media. It was rewarding in some senses, but it was also, um, if I'm being honest, it was like really lonely. <laughs> I just I, I I'm somebody who really likes a team, and so while it was it was cool to feel. The confidence that comes with like shooting out on your own, doing your own thing. At the end of the day, I would go on these trips and like, I I went to China and around to Iceland and back home with multiple events in between and it was high touch and I was seeing a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I was just like, there there wasn't really anybody to give a high five to and just kind of didn't feel like I was able to make the same impact. I had a short little sojourn there with Noble where I was working on their media and their projects. But ultimately, I got the opportunity to work with Rich on the Mayhem Classic. And it was pretty much like a glorified volunteer position. But I, based on all my prior experience, I got to be like, hey, look, you guys are really kind of undershooting your landing. There's a lot more potential here. Hey, why don't we do a broadcast? Would Have you ever thought of doing things this way? And it was just like a really really solid work in relationship with no pressure, right? Like I wasn't looking for a job. He wasn't looking to hire me, but when it was all said and done, and this, I guess this ends up being right before the pandemic, I parted ways with Noble and was kind of dealt going back into the freelance media stuff. And the first thing that Rich ever asked me was, he said, Hey, would you be my agent? And I was like, the first thing that shocks me is that you don't have an agent you never have. And the second thing that's really important for me to tell you is that I've never been an agent. And, uh, while I do have fantastic relationships in the community and I know how to leverage brands well against media, like, I don't know that it does or doesn't play to my strengths, but, uh, having had enough time to see what you guys are all about and get a deeper dive into rich as a person, because you guys know, like you meet a lot of people of celebrity status. And for me, I'm always kind of trying to poke holes, like not in a, not a negative way, but like I always, I always want to test that authenticity. And Rich has always like passed the test for me with with flying colors and then some. So I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. And um, it's a really long way to get around and answer the question. But my official working title now is is director of business development because being Rich Froning's agent also means that you're dealing with at least five different business verticals because he owns an apparel company and he owns the gym, which has massive events on a consistent basis. There's an online training division. Now there's coffee and we have sister companies like Froning Farms. And so it's a it's a complicated web, right? It's not just like, sure, company X, I'll do, you know, set endorsement deal with you. And and it's simple and, and we move forward. It's there's a lot going on here.
1: Did you feel like even though you had never been an agent, you were just able to sort of like hit the ground running and, you know, leverage all of your prior experience in media and working with CrossFit and working with athletes for so long? I mean, to me, it seems like a perfect fit knowing you. But, um, you know, were there bumps along the road or were you just sort of like, okay, yeah, this totally fits within my strengths?
2: Yes, to both. There was, um, you know, I had negotiated on my own behalf for, you know, when I delved, even though it was just one year, uh, but when I went into the freelance space and so, That and the experience of having, especially with broadcast media and Instagram and stuff, like I I felt like I had great chops there and the power of Rich is just, you know, you guys know the power of Rich, right? He does great things. And I think I I haven't met a brand yet who's had a bad experience with him. So yeah, it was more, more than anything. It was just like, I felt the pressure of wanting to do a fantastic job. You know, I'm a real task oriented guy. I didn't want to blow it, you know? So luckily for me, the first, six months to a year was really, there was a lot of untangling. There was a lot of basic organization and, and some structure. And this is a time when, when mayhem was also making a shift into doing that a lot more intentionally. You know, we've, we've kind of joked about this, but the distance that mayhem came in absence of, I don't say an absence of, of structured planning, but really a lot of it was just like, Hey, what's the next right thing? Cool. Let's do it. And Rich has been training his face off to go win the CrossFit games every year. Right. So, the success has come really very, very naturally. But yeah, I think, I think in some ways it was a perfectly natural fit in other ways it was uncomfortable, but, uh, I don't know, as a human, it's, it's super cheesy, but the, a lot of people will tell you like these worst things that happen to you end up kind of shifting and being the best thing that happened to you. I probably would have stayed at CrossFit for the rest of my life and withered away and died as a, as a company man. And the opportunity to, the opportunity to shift and flex a bunch of new muscles, try out a bunch of new things, um,
1: you, you know, know,
2: be part of an organization where like you can thump your chest every day and be really proud of it. Like all those things uh, were a huge blessing to disguise.
1: So I'd like to talk a little bit more about the CrossFit games just because it's coming up here in really just a number of weeks. But I know Mayhem's going to be fielding multiple teams, as they always do, but maybe you could tell us specifically a little bit more about that and what you're looking for. to. And forward how many to. individual
0: athletes you have, Yeah, and how many individual of, athletes. And then, impressive.
1: And then also maybe tell us a little bit more about why do all these athletes drop in in that coming month? Like, are they international athletes who just need a place to land and get ready? I'd love to just sort of hear about what the vision is since we're definitely into CrossFit game season right now and, and Mayhem is always... One to watch.
2: So three teams that we know of, and if I have if I have the spreadsheet here with me, I can tell you there's there's a bunch of other teams probably who associate themselves as well. Three teams we know of, fourteen individual athletes, which is far and away the highest that I know of out of any training camp. And then if you put everybody together, so if we're going to do masters, teenagers, etc., we've got over eighty athletes who will be represented at the games, which is really just face melting. And if you really kind of step back and think about it, I wish I knew the answer to your question, J-Star, which is what's the attraction? I think part of it is the vibe around here and the way that people go about things. Some people need like very strict hands-on coaching. I think that what happens here is there's a great framework provided and people know what they can expect. And from there, it's jump in and throw down and kind of learn by doing. And on top of that, obviously, you've, you've seen the, fa- I know you haven't been here yet, but you've seen the facility and it continues to grow and morph. And so I think it's probably one of the only places where, for example, like you could have four teams practicing at a time and they're all using a worm, plus any other kind of crazy specialty equipment that you could want as well. And there's the space to facilitate it. Kelly, since you've been out here, probably I told you about it, but I'm not sure if you've seen any of it, but the the outdoor pad that used to be, once upon a time, it was just a concrete pad. Then it was a covered pad. Well, now it's a closed in pad, which is going to be reserved for the Mayhem Athlete training crew. And, you know, athletes of a certain caliber who will be able to come here. And uh, I think partially it was there was too many cars on the on the driveway at, uh, at Rich's house and the barn was running out of equipment, you know, but we've we've gotten to a place where it's we've expanded beyond the barn.
0: Let me ask you, you know, I think I have so many questions. Mayhem is a gigantic and really integrated programming approach. So you can, as anyone on the planet can drop in and have their needs met across a whole bunch of hosts, whether I want to get stronger or work on my Olympic lifting, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. And, and you have literally some of the world's best athletes using the programming from afar. Just that's it. They know how to coach and program. And yet, simultaneously, I think one of the reasons that Mayhem is so cool is that it's actually a place where real people come and work out there. Is there ever any tension between the people who work out there and this also this machine that makes the place dope and simultaneously, as a distraction, because you're filming things and you know there are automatons, mutants walking around. How do you guys think about that consciously, and do you think about it consciously?
2: We absolutely do. And uh, but I, I would say, like my answer to the question, and maybe uh, you should do like a, you should take me out of it and ask some of the members individually. Right? Josh Malone, our uh, our gym manager, would certainly have an answer as well. But he is hypersensitive to it, and so Josh is very tuned into member concerns and. That's not just like the day-to-day, but you know, you think about it, we have uh, seminars on a consistent basis. Like and when I say consistent, I mean like almost every single weekend we run competitions. In, in December, we've got a, the Legends Masters competition coming up. Gym's going to be shut down Wednesday through Sunday. If you're, if you're an everyday CrossFitter and you're paying a membership, like that stings a little bit if you don't, if we're not getting it paid back to you or made right in some other way, shape or form. So the, yeah, I mean, the most important thing to say is that yes, we're hypersensitive to it. And I don't see those tensions. I think that actually people are pretty proud of where they come from when, you know, I've even got my my dad's crew at 5 a.m. They'll go do drop-ins like uh, some of them are going down to Florida for the weekend and they're like, "Like, yeah, do you wear my Mayhem shirt? Like people, are, people had all sorts of questions and so it's a little bit of a badge of honor or a point of pride. But for the obvious reasons also that, that I just mentioned I me mean, sure, they sometimes have to share their house with a lot of people. When it comes to the elite athletes though, I think for the most part, Until now, that is integrated like seamlessly. And that's the reason for building the outside facility is so that the regular classes can run on their own schedule, open gym can run on its own schedule, and the CrossFit Games athletes can come in and do all their beast mode stuff. And uh, neither group feels like the other one is kind of like impeding their training opportunities
1: and not to get too deep on silly logistics, but space, well, I was just going to say space solves a lot of problems. And when you're in a place like Cookville, where the real estate isn't $1 billion million and you can expand and sort of meet some of those needs, you know, because I can say, you know, being a former gym owner, space was always the challenge for us in terms of trying to solve those tensions. Because we weren't on
0: Star Way.
2: They're basically the gyms on Froning Way. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's on Froning Way. So anyway.
2: (laughs) You guys had a creative solution just taking the walls away. And then there's like, there's no constraints, you know? Yeah. I was like, it's the yeah.
1: infinite
0: gym. It's totally great. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just no walls. And that made it easier. And especially since it's never been um, anymore. Just back to also the elite athletes and sort of your, you know, this discussion about like what attracts people to mayhem. I mean, there the unsaid thing must be that these athletes do well and see gains in performance, both being at mayhem and following mayhem program. And so that has to be a big part of what, you know, brings people there and keeps them there. I have to think.
2: I would agree with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, 14 individual athletes, 80 total athletes that are going to the CrossFit Games. Like if we still consider it to be like the ultimate proving ground, like these people are having massive success. Yeah. So I think that's a fantastic point. It's like at the end of the day, it's it's uh, if if you're not seeing the results then you're not going to stick with the program. And then, you know, one more thing that I think is fairly obvious, too, is Rich himself and by extension, his his uh, entities as a real real well-defined sense of self it's like hey here's what we're all about right it doesn't mean that no one can come here that's not like a christian or who's you know serving on a 501c3 but he's like hey here's who we are and here's what we're all about and he puts it out on a consistent basis on youtube social media etc and i think that a lot of people are gravitated towards that either because they have the exact same values or they're curious about them but there's a lot of like hey what you see is what you get and by the way our training works
0: so serious question now dovetails into that How important has Buffalo Brew, actually having a legit coffee company at the shop, changed your culture? Has it changed your culture? Because I came to think very differently. I'm in Cookville like a hundred years ago and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm drinking Folgers. And then I show up at Cookville and I'm (laughs) like, oh, this is some of the, this is one of the best cappuccinos I've ever had. Like what happened? And I can just like deadlift, get a cappuccino and a Topo Chico deadlift.
1: Forget about that. You didn't come back talking about the coffee. You came back talking about the cereal bar. Like he didn't come home and he was like, I got a great cup of coffee. He came home and he's like, oh, my God, they had a cereal bar at Train with Rich.
0: Of course. I I actually knew about that. That's the reason I went out in the first
2: place. Let me speak to it personally first. It's bad in terms of like it'd be the same as just like putting a bar in in the foyer of an alcoholic's office. You know, I'm like coffee for days, (laughs) all day, every day. But no, it it is a game changer. and, And it's funny. Did you
0: come out for the Mayhem Classic, Kelly? No, I haven't been out yet.
2: Okay, so e- even as recent as that, that space was completely unutilized. It had tried to be a couple things in the past, including treatment rooms and, and then eventually just storage. As a benefit add to the, to the fitness center, it's like, it's next level. That's all the way from like my crew finishing up at 6 a.m. and going, and we probably stick around for another hour and a half, and to people who are passing through on a consistent basis and like, oh, wow, you know, hey, the gym's not actually open, but I can come and buy a t-shirt, hang out in the coffee shop you know, maybe meet some of the folks who are around and, and then, yeah, I think for members who can just kind of mill around, it's, it's funny. When we started, I actually reached out to Annie Thorisdottir because when I went to Reykjavik, one of my favorite things was to be able to order a smoothie before you went and did your workout. And then when you're done, scooped it off the counter and went and sat in the hot tub, you know, but yeah, it has, it
0: has been a game changer. And shout out to those amazing folks there and the great breakfast burrito that is also available because as a food log breakfast burrito connoisseur, it's next level.
1: Well, and it's not, it doesn't seem like mayhem is shy on creating culture and community. Interestingly, we just got back from Europe where we're always reminded that mm-hmm. um, a cafe is like an essential part of a gym in Europe. In fact, we have a a friend who owns a CrossFit gym and he's like, Oh no, no, you cannot own a gym. No one will be a member of your gym in Europe unless it has a cafe because the whole culture there is about you work out. And in there, in, at least in Germany, it's often you finish your workout and have a beer, but separate mm-hmm from that, it's like, it does create this thing where you have this workout where you, there is a community vibe or whatever, but then people actually hang out afterwards and enjoy a beverage together, whether that's a coffee or a beer or whatever it is. And then that's like a yet another way to create connection and community. So I, I think it's awesome for that.
2: Yeah. Yes. So much. Yes. You know, it's funny, uh, just kind of including that into the conversation about space. Like I said, I'm a morning person, but once I get done with work and I pop back into the gym, it's mind blowing to see that coffee shop cranking, just like you're talking about, like people just socializing, having fun. Some of them who are just curious about the gym and some of them who were just in it, but then you walk into the gym and you've got a kid's class going at the same time as an endurance class, a regular, a regular CrossFit class and some competitors shifting around. You're like, it's a crazy hive of energy.
0: It is a crazy hive of energy. I, I'm not going to lie. I love going there. I always feel inspired. Something that I, I don't think I, you and I were, we catch up every couple of weeks or so just we drop into each other's lives and something that happened recently that you said had really worked for you was something about habits like you had just committed to making some habits and i feel like there's a lot of executive people who are listening who would who would benefit from this and i want to tell you that one of the things that i took away from that and was like okay i'm going to steal one idea here and i'm going to get try to hit my protein macros every single day and like i've like of all the things that i've really been trying to do that was one thing I took away. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to just develop this as a habit." Can you talk about this habit and how how it helped you as a father, dad, crazy, you know, entrepreneur in this really wild space right now? How that kind of affected you?
2: Yeah, certainly, certainly. And and uh, man, I've tried so many different habit formation tools.
0: Can I, can I explain the zone to you? Is
2: that what you need? Yeah, please. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've had success there too. <laughs> This one in particular um, was Andy Frisella's 75 hard program. And it's funny. Like I didn't bring it to the table. Ange did. She was like, hey, the 75 hard, it sounds crazy. Sounds fun. Let's give it a shot. And it's um, what it is, is a set of five rules that you follow on a daily basis for 75 days. Just like, uh, and there's make no deals with yourself. There's no gimmies. There's no cheat days. There's no nothing. And it was a, man, it was a huge slog, but it was incredibly beneficial for me, less so about the actual habits themselves, but the act rather of being like, I'm going to commit to these for a severe amount of time. Like, and cause for me, I used to be like, well, I'm going to try this for 30 days at a time. And I've done that with multiple things, like everything from surfing to writing, but 75 days was this crazy magical number where you know, they, they they pin it as a mental challenge more so than an actual physical challenge because some of the stuff wasn't wasn't as difficult for people who live in our kind of stratosphere. Like working out twice a day for 45 minutes, it was doable because there's a gym through that wall behind me, right? Um, but some of the other stuff, like as simple as reading for reading 10 pages a day, drinking a gallon of water, where it was just it became a daily discipline that you weren't willing to cave on, and uh, yeah, I came out of it on the other side, like just absolutely on fire. So to answer your question, like the physical results were astonishing and not just like appearance and not just performance, but even the stuff under the hood. Like, um, I prefer the whoop in terms of basically showing me metrics over time and where they're trending. And I've never been able to affect my HRV with anything else. And I can't tell you which portion of 75 hard it was, but it was the first time ever in you know, wearing a whoop, at least that I've been able to affect my HRV in a substantial way.
0: And by that, I mean, in a positive way, because I know you've been able to affect your heart um, could I just negatively.
1: I don't want to mess up your train of thought, but does everybody in this program choose five habits? And is it like you choose them yourself? Tell me a little bit about like how you choose the ha- or how the habits come to you
2: the only thing you get to choose is the diet. And so the rules are follow a diet. So any diet. And so, okay, sorry to your point, Ange's only goal was to uh, maintain her calories. So she wanted to stay under the caloric limit that she had set for herself. So she wasn't even really doing macros and that was her diet. Uh, Paula and Jordan, my in-laws did, uh, they actually did a a keto version of a diet. You drink a gallon of water, you take a progress photo every day, you read 10 pages of uh, a self-help book and then you work out twice a day, one of which has to be outdoors. So it's a, a 45 minute period of time that you've allocated as exercise. And that could be, that could literally be walking. And it often was for us, especially towards the end of it. So no, the answer to your question is uh, that it was, it was decided for you. And the reason that I'm so like, I don't mind promoting the heck out of it is because like, I don't know if you've ever listened to any of Andy's stuff or who he is, but he doesn't charge a dime for it. So it's, it's non-monetized, which I like even more.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And
0: so unusual. And, you know, when one of my friends is like, dude, I just discovered this thing, you know, and you've got to try this. Like I pay attention to when my friends say things like that, especially in, once again, you're like, and you'll have five friends who will help you. It's not like you, know, you, it wasn't that at all. You're like, dude, I just started drinking some water, moving around outside a little bit more. And it just, I didn't stop. For 75 days and i was like wow you know i often am like, i'm like gonna get my protein macros and i'm like wah, wah, i didn't do it yeah well I, and we can all do it and, and like to your point
2: about like how did it help you as a human being it's like I, it's easier for me to say that i even noticed in the after i came off of it and i was like oh i'm just gonna like let, let, let it off the rails for a couple of days and that turns into i mean for me i'm pretty extreme one way or the other you know so like i need discipline in my life and uh this was an easy set of rules for me
0: do you feel like other people don't need discipline in their lives and I don't even think it's discipline or structure. I think people need
1: routine and structure. I, like we, but I think people are a little different. Like those people who have like their Saturday cheat day. Like that's not for me. Like if I follow a diet, I just need to do it seven days a week. Like for me, a cheat day just bleeds in. Like I'm not a cheat day kind of person. Like that ended us ends up bleeding for me into being like, well, all right, well, if so Saturday was a cheat if, day, now Sunday. I don't
0: know if that's discipline though. I, I guess yeah, I what I'm know. saying is you've never struck me as a person who doesn't have drive, but having some constraints some structure anyway that, that resonated with me i think
2: it worked for me and actually jay started your point i the only thing that i really disliked about it was uh like a, like gus's birthday came up i don't want to be i might not be in every saturday cheat guy but i want to be able to say in my life not not feel bad when i'm like oh, it's a kid's birthday i'm just not going to be a psycho today you know or it's a special occasion that Ange wants to go have a good time we want to have a nice dinner like I want to be able to enjoy that kind of stuff but yeah it was uh it was a phenomenal experience for me especially it's been well i mean probably since i was very early in my crossfit career and just you know super passionate about getting fit and whatnot that i was dieting hard and working out hard and uh it was a game changer to be like oh man still got it baby
0: (laughs) well
1: and (laughs) it's almost like it works you know what was interesting is um you know, we're always trying to be sensitive to the fact that people are really busy and don't have time. And I think it might have been E.C. Sinkowski recently posted some study or data point that like the average American actually has five hours of free time a day. But most of us are spending that watching TV or being on our phones. So, you know, it's interesting because it's like the first thing I heard when you said two 45 minute workouts, my brain went immediately to like, well, people don't really have time for that or access to that. But then in the end, you know, they probably actually do. I mean, you seem to be doing your workout at 5 a.m. Which most people aren't working at that time. But even the, and the second and one of walking. Yeah. And even the second one, if or you're or walking just like twice. Yeah, you just say, okay, after dinner we're going to go for a 45 minute walk. In fact, most people probably do have time to do that. It's just sometimes feels so good to lay on the couch and like watch strangers things or whatever
2: well and some of the hey listen in some of those times it was uh literally snowing out and you had to do your outside workout and so it was it was extreme in that sense too where it was like oh uh, i really like,
0: like the outside part
2: yeah you know you'd, you'd be planning ahead you'd be like oh it's gonna rain this afternoon i guess i'll do my outside workout first or drag the rower out into the into the uh parking lot if if you're at the gym already so yeah the the extremity of it i think i think some people would probably have an issue like they would bounce back too far but for me, it was a great kick in the ass and a reminder of just like, you can do these things. And to your point, like you recognize how much time you actually have in a day and you can, instead of waiting till the iron's hot, like you can strike and make it hot was the kind of, one of the takeaways was like, you can't just wait for inspiration, man. I'm guilty of that over the years of just being like, oh, it'll come just give it time it'll come
1: no 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 well before we leave the subject can I just ask one more question what if anything are you still are you still doing it are you doing like a version of it that you think is sustainable for your life like what are you doing what are you still doing
2: he's actually takes it up a notch a couple more times so
1: does a gallon of coffee give you diarrhea that's what I want to know (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I can verify that it depends on your stomach. <laughs> Next, what I'm doing is what they call phase one. So it's the same five rules plus two more, which is cold showers and which I did the cold plunge already. Uh, so it's not even add-on for me. So cold exposure and you make like a power list and you try and get through some stuff in a day. I got four days into that and failed because I got strep throat and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> so last week was a sick week for me and so I'll jump back onto that.
0: The two of you are interesting in that I'll bring this up and is that you're both like, I have friends who I mean we're at this age, but both of you are cancer survivors. And I just hear you both sort of resonating with, we do not mess around. (laughs) We are, you know, we need to be fit. We need to eat. We need to get outside. Like, you know, you've sort of had a glimpse of, the possibilities of not having those choices. And it is interesting that both of you are highly motivated about those things in a way that those of us who have not had cancer, uh, sometimes aren't. Can you, will you get to talk about that? also
1: just, you know, you don't, maybe you feel like it's no longer like a choice, right? You're like, well, lost my choice here.
2: Yeah, no, you're totally true. And you know, I, I think for me, uh, Juliet, I don't know how, how you guys dealt with this, but like, I also, you know, I'm 40 this year. So like, I just also just got hit with midlife. And there was a big, like, a lot of it for me was like, hey, man, but you know, you're like, I'm not, I'm not like staring down the barrel or anything, but I'm like, hey, if, if years are, are definitely numbered and cancer wakes you up to that fact, how am I going to do all these things? So, sorry, another rule that I mentioned on that 75 hard is that you quit, that you don't drink. Well, I quit drinking in 2020 and partially based on all these, you know, everything that we're talking about right now is like, it, it just ceased to bring benefit to my life. And I do want to maximize these, these times, right? Like I, and for as long as I can, hopefully I'm doing it with my kids when they get old enough, but these 24 hour mountain bike races, the the century rides, things like that, where it's like, you don't get that stuff forever. And I like the way that you put it, but yeah, cancer is, it's been a minute for me. So I, I feel like sometimes I lose that perspective, but it is a good reframing where it's like, yo, this could be like tomorrow.
1: Well, can you just give us a quick backstory of what happened to you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was healthy as a horse. I don't even think I had health insurance like the year before, but, um, I was young in my CrossFit career. It was the first year we we're going to be on ESPN. I was still bulletproof and just cut one time. Like literally I remember the day where I was like, man, that's not supposed to be there. And I felt something on my nut. So this is, that's a scientific term. And, uh, I didn't, uh, I remember like, these are all kind of ex- extraneous details, but, but, uh, I didn't have a doctor at the time. So I went to a physician. Everybody can kind of sympathize with this. I was like, I took the guy who was just taking patients. I went to him. I told him what was going on. And he literally, the guy gloved up and felt me up and told me I was good to go. And I was like, back of my mind, I was like, that ain't right. And I know it's not right, but it's exactly what I want to hear. And so, you know, off I went. And within a week, I I was on Christmas holidays and uh, and it felt like I got kicked in the nuts. So like, I knew exactly what was going on didn't want to believe it. But then I, I came back to Santa Cruz and, you know, Mark Rosen, yeah. Do you guys know Mark Rosen? Yep. Remember him? Mark Rosen was a urologist who was at Greg Glassman's like original gym back in the day. Uh, he became a great friend. And anyways, I, I went to him. He knew that I had cancer before we even did anything. So he sent me in immediately to the hospital and that was a Friday. I had a surgery on a Monday. They pulled it all out. And, um, frankly, There's a lot more details, but that was really the end of it. We had six more years of surveillance and decided not to do chemotherapy because Angie was sick or was uh, pregnant rather. But yeah, it was in the grand scope of cancer. It was this, it was an amazingly fast and curable ordeal. But anybody who's been through that knows that the terror and the uncertainty and all the kind of like decision-making processes you go through are indescribably stressful, right? Like I wouldn't, I would not doubt that that's where all my gray hair
1: came from. (laughs) Gray beard, gray beard, back to the beard thing. Yeah, you know what's interesting um, that made me think of that is like one of the things that bugs me is when people say like, well, you know, when you were sick and I was like, well, was I sick? Because I was like in great shape and like, right, like this thing happened to you, but like you, right, other than like having this tumor situation in your body, you're like, but I wasn't really sick. I was like jacked and fit and I don't know. So I thought of that as you were saying that because like people would say, well, back when you were sick and I was like, but were you sick? I guess like technically, medically you were sick, but like you weren't really sick.
2: Yeah, and, you, and it's all relative, right? So we had chosen a lifestyle prior to that that was of fitness and expressing yourself with movement and all these things. And so, you know, I think that it's just a bump in your road. But um, I get a lot of perspective when I talk to people who didn't choose that lifestyle and they go through the exact same thing. And it is this monumental hurdle that they've got to overcome. And one of the small details, like in the post cancer scans for me, they, Kelly knows this obviously, but they said, hey, good news, bad news. The good news is uh, the cancer's gone. The bad news is you got this weird thing in your lung that we got to get sorted out. And uh, it ended up being like a a non functioning lung tissue growth that had been in my bottom, the bottom lobe of my right lung since birth. Uh, And it had this crazy blood flow coming to it. So, long, the long story short there is that I had to have the cancer for this lung tumor was far more invasive than anything that happened with cancer and so even still you know i got back to like within i don't remember maybe it was six months or at least a year and i was overhead squatting 300 pounds the point of that story being i've met people who had very similar things and they're like oh my gosh you you run do you do like you do sports and i'm like yeah dude like i'm in I'm fact like i'm probably back to better than i ever was pre-cancer and lung stuff you may
0: even be a little bit lighter <laughs> that's true.
2: All that all that pesky lung tissue.
0: Swank the weight ratio. I'm just saying, you know, I, I remember Juliet being complaining that her snatch had gone down and that her, she dropped on her pull-ups a little bit. That was some of her complaints, you know? And I was like, that's reasonable. You pull up whores.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think the other thing I'd say is everyone's like, well, I mean, I'm not like you, like I don't heal very quickly. And wow, you heal so quickly. And, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I, I I, have this problem now, but I'm not like you. And I'm like, but you are like me. Like, I'm just a normal human with like regular, well, obviously crappy genetics, but, but, you know, normal human. But, you know, I've just sort of created an seen, environment. Have you seen your
0: daughters? I'm going with yeah, good cr- genetics. But,
1: you know, just created an environment for myself where I have some tools available to me and some sort of history, training history. And, and, and non-negotiables. It, and interesting
0: yeah. that both yeah. of you also stopped drinking. You guys don't drink. Boring. I know. So, so boring. boring. So boring. Let me ask you this. I want to I wanna pivot back just for a second. We are in what I think is, I used to think we were at peak games, but we're not. The games, CrossFit games have become so sophisticated. The organization aside, the actual putting on the games aside, the people who are participating in the games are legit and they're legit younger and they're stronger and fitter. Recently, there was a really well-known super coach in the world who was still making fun of CrossFit. Just And some of my friends were texting, we're like, wow, is it just like you don't know what to say, so you just like you laugh at CrossFit, you know? And, and I was like, because I, I just saw – a guy snatch over 300 pounds and then run like a five-minute mile. And I was just like, I don't understand. Like, give me your, your, your shot on this where this isn't working, where I have the freakest athletes in the world becoming even freakier, where I still am more and more blown away by this next generation. You have been there from the start. You've seen this trajectory, and now you're in the heart of it. Where do you think the CrossFit Games is going in a positive way, and what do we need to watch out for as athletes?
2: great question. Uh, I mean, what do I think that it's going? I think that you made a great point about how young the athletes are getting. Um, I think that that trend is going to continue as people are kind of finding this earlier, they're getting access and hands-on to fantastic coaching. I think that the international element continues to kind of astound me. I remember, well, I'm sure you guys do too, but for some people who are listening, there was a point in time where we would offer, a couple of spots to the Latin Americans, a couple to the people who lived in Africa and a couple of the people in Europe. And it was almost as if it was like, we want to do this just to kind of like engender some, some international growth. Well, now that some of the most legitimate athletes in the space are coming from all three of those places, namely South America and Europe. So I think, I think international growth continuing is going to take it, is going to be one of the, the kind of biggest growth motivators. I don't know this, but I would hope that in the future we might see the CrossFit games actually kind of, move to those places or some of these training camps uh, that are that are in other places will kind of start to lead the way and and you know how that goes the same same thing is like uh men's soccer in the United States hasn't really hasn't really taken off they haven't continued to dominate but if you can get a little bit of inspiration you get a little bit of uh, some of the top athletes in the sport performing well that could help out so I, I hope i hope that that trend continues and i hope that we see more more of an international flair
0: i feel like we're also starting to see athletes be able to make a living not necessarily like there are some crossfit athletes who've had stratospheric success and as in all top sports but i'm also starting to see that like there are working athletes who are making a career or living the same living maybe if you played professional women's soccer i mean i were like on that level and like you you may not even be a podium athlete on the crossfit games but you're making a living as a crossfit athlete which is kind of crazy yeah, and I think you know,
2: I think that there's still like a massive delta between top of the game and middle, even middle of the pack. But yeah, I think you're right, and I, and I I don't think it's been nailed yet, but I do think that some of these athlete organizations that are springing up, trying to work uh, in collaboration with CrossFit, CrossFit Games, etc., like that's a step in the right direction because they're you're I you're never gonna have parity across all athletes. Like we don't see that in any sport, but I do think that you could um, it could be more equitable in the sense that you're saying where. I can up the game for everyone by providing opportunities where people can make a living and actually train full time. You asked what people should look out for. And it's funny, I didn't, I don't know that I had an answer to begin with, but I think what, I think what's really important is that it's easy, especially when, when people have a, they have a flash of success to lose sight and perspective on how intertwined and I don't want to say that it's shaky ground that we're on, but like, you're you're right. The the growth is massive. There are athletes who are making a lot of money, but at the same rate, like I saw some true colors in the past few years, especially when COVID came out, when things got upside down, where people kind of stopped uh, remembering that there's a large community element to this and that it's built on a foundation that really uh, incorporates CrossFit affiliates and gyms. And uh, it's important to have the fan base and it's important to serve uh, the volunteers and judges who are making these events happen. And so I I think that's, if I was going to say like, what, what is there to look out for? I think that it's putting your cart in front of the horse and, um, lacking the perspective on like what, what really drives this and makes this thing tick. Because again, like if everybody kind of, if everyone's just pulling for themselves, I think there's the, I think there's the danger of us, um, shooting ourselves in the foot.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I am not one to make critiques, but I think one of the biggest losses in that department was the loss of the in-person regionals and I you know, I get it. I run a business and and I under, you know, I know how much it costs to put on events, how expensive that is and time-consuming and, you know, put events on all over the country and around the world. But I know at least when we owned an affiliate once the regionals ended, that really disconnected our affiliate community from the games. It became you know, because up to that point it's like we would have a San Francisco CrossFit Ten at the NorCal regionals and all our members would come and cheer on teams and they really were connected to it.
0: And connected um, to the regional athletes.
1: Yeah, and connected to the regional athletes and and even if they weren't from our gym, they knew that like you know, Jenny Labaugh was a NorCal athlete or whoever, you know, and um, there was a real connection between just our normal paying gym members and the games. For me, that's when I noticed there was more of a disconnect between, you know, the games is this like unique thing over here and the affiliates are this unique thing over here. And again, I get it from a business standpoint. I, I can never see how bringing those back would make sense, but it's a loss anyway.
2: None of this happened in a vacuum, right? Like I would say this entire community sports fans and just gym goers and affiliate owners alike, like we've been through a lot of shit in the last couple of years and so the goodwill has been like, you know, sucked out little by little by little. So I get it. It's hard to show up and cheer for the regional athletes when there's, there's larger issues afoot that are affecting the way that you make income or, you know, when you don't know if CrossFit's going to be around in, in another month or two. I do feel like the ship has started, like the rocking is diminishing and it's starting to get back on, on the right track. And I think largely that's because you can't kill us. You know, like I think that any other grouping of people would have just burned each other alive six months ago, a year ago, right? Like, if you think about it, like... <laughs> he just, like but we yeah. did
0: that to ourselves with Tabata handstand push-ups.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then laughed and high-fived afterwards. But yeah, let me think about it, man, there's been a lot of two-wave hold-downs and, like, we've weathered those, right? There's still friendships and affiliations that are still in its act that, that's it's shocking that they are. So, I don't know. I think that's a testament to how strong this community is. Because we remember, what I think of as the good old days, you know, 14, 15, 16 when it was just humming and a lot of people had some good stuff going on or even, even like 2010, you know, it was like, there was a real feeling of togetherness and camaraderie that, uh, got shipped to its core more than once.
1: True fact. So Rory, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? What's next for you? What's, we we what's, say this in our
0: family, like we do this once a week. We're like, what are we living for this week?
1: Yeah. What are you living for? What are you like, looking what, forward to? What are we
0: looking forward to?
2: Oh man. Okay. Well, on a personal level, we're doing a house remodel. And so, I'm looking forward to having a house again, <laughs> mostly for the sanity of my wife, right? Like I was okay with the demo process, but we're, we're living on sub floors and, uh, and dust right now. So I'm, I'm ready for that to be, uh, I'm living for the remodel completion professionally. I, I mean, I always have been, and always will be a massive CrossFit games fan that's up and coming. Can't wait for that. We've got a,
0: are they going to bring you back to commentate? Is that, please tell me it's going to happen
2: i mean put in a call for me i haven't heard anything yet so you know maybe maybe your listeners can can petition but uh if i'm being <laughs> honest there's there's enough commentating and kind of stuff going on with mayhem that oh yeah i'll have my hands full anyways and uh and i don't mind just hanging out with my friends and cheering either mm-hmm. and then uh dude we got a trip to sardinia coming up after that we're running a competition here in in mayhem that i hope you both can attend in the first week of december that's all geared towards masters uh that's the, the legends competition
0: why are you looking at us
2: because <laughs> any excuse to get you here. We would just
1: be spectators, baby. We are uh, not, a, we're not, I'm in, almost senior, man. Yeah, yeah. We're, we spe, are, we are spectators. Yeah. We're spectators.
2: That's what I'm asking. That's all I want. I just want you to come yeah, spectate. We'd love to. And then, uh, yeah, just the completion of this Mayhem Athlete facility and getting you guys back out here to play in that thing, too, is going to be, man, I feel like we're doubling the size of Cookville, Tennessee. So it's going to keep on going. And
1: don't forget the upcoming discovery of Confederate gold in your cave.
2: Thank you. Thank- leading
1: to your movement to an island.
2: I didn't want to over advertise because I don't want people banging down my, you know, my fence to get to it.
0: <laughs> I just want a cool place to hang out with my man, my man friends. Like that's just like this, the Rory's man cave. Like you just set the bar. Literal man like, cave. Literal man Actual cave. Actual man cave. Uh, Rory, you um, tell us where we can find you professionally, where we can find you.
1: On the internet. Personally,
0: where, cause you know, there are a lot of, there's a faction of Rory files for sure. Where do we find the Rose?
2: Well, so on social media, I keep it easy. And I just go by, uh, Rory McKernan. So that's, that's an easy one, man. I live on, I live on Instagram. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna follow you guys down the TikTok hole one day, but for now it's Instagram, all things mayhem is mayhemnation.com, and all things mayhem training is mayhem And, uh, that's, that's a fancy new website. And, uh, yeah, man, it's kind of a, kind of a catch off for everybody to, to see what's going on.
0: My friend, please give your wife uh, a huge
1: hug. Yeah, big smooch from us. And if,
0: I don't know if your son is 6'5 yet and is taking you out, but it's got to <laughs> be like next week for sure.
2: He's, he's coming up, dude. He's coming up. He's uh, just started tackle football. I'm doing the strength and conditioning. So no big deal. Prescott South football coach here.
0: Wow. Oh my God. That's yeah. legit. Congrats. How does your, we, we have so much to talk about more, but how does your son yeah. feel about his dad coaching the team?
2: Oh, he's fired up. He's fired up. He'll still give me a look like when something goes down that he doesn't like. But besides that, he's, uh, I'm still cool. Like, I think I've got one more year of being cool. And then you guys know the rest of the story. You've got teenagers.
0: Joe's just on a trip with her uh, boyfriend's family right now. And she just texted me for workouts yesterday. That's all I need to know. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. To see the slow blade penetrates the shield. Yep. That's my second in reference, everyone. You're welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Rory. <laughs> it's such a it's pleasure. So Thank you for chatting with us.
0: Thank you, friends. That was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show.
1: Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State.
0: Until next time, cheers, everyone. you got it!